Hey everybody, and thank you for listening to the latest Oliver Thompson podcast. Today, I'll be drawing on the groundbreaking neuroscience research and brain-based coaching methods that my good friend Tom is going to introduce you to. He transforms the behaviors of teams and individuals and helps them deliver growth, engagement, and profitability through his tools and techniques. And today, we'll be discussing his Black Belt Negotiation Program, and he'll be giving you some real insights into how to make negotiation work for you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, dear. So, 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 Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, Ollie, I uh, came from a very traditional family. Did you? Uh, I was brought up in London. Right. And... Um, and I'm not particularly traditional myself. So. I know you're not. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? So, well, I, I, I think it's about my ideas. Um, uh, my parents were pretty conservative and my sort of whole upbringing and schooling was um, fairly, you know, middle class and conservative, if I could yeah. use that word. And, uh, and it wasn't exactly me. So... Um, I, as, I, as, as I grew up in my teenagers, teenage years and, and so on, I, um, you know, started discovering my own identity and ways of doing things. And it, you know, naturally caused a bit of conflict, but uh, ah. not too much, but, you know, the normal, yeah. normal things. Um, and so I, I guess that, um, you know, creativity, innovation, developing things is what I really I love doing. Yeah. Um, Would you say you're a bit of a maverick? I'm not sure. Possibly some people who aren't mavericks would probably think I, <laughs> yeah, think I, I am. Yeah, I, yeah. I'd, I'd say it like that. Um, and one, I'll tell you one, one passion I always had growing up was I wanted to be a rock star. And um, I never made it i bought a guitar thought oh yeah you know i'll put the guitar under my bed and i'll wake up like Jimi hendrix this is age 13 and of course it never <laughs> happened that way uh, and then when i was 40 i thought well, i'll try this again so i bought a bass guitar did you uh, Brilliant. yeah yeah i did things a little bit different that there time you go. I, yeah i had some lessons <laughs> oh did you I did indeed, yeah. I practiced, you know. I thought when age thirteen, I thought, oh, I'll just be a natural, and so that that was a real um, thing that I've taken on growing up. That's mm. made a big impact. That uh, skills and uh, and so on, you have to work at them, build yeah. them. So, yeah. I, and, and then I came across um, this idea of a growth mindset, and mm. uh, really, that's that had. Uh, that that's my rule of thumb if you like that my guiding principle through life is you know we're it's a lifelong learning and, and sorry has that been something that growth mindset that's as you know that's something i i'm fascinated by but is that something you've naturally adopted from a young age or is that something in sort of the the, the, the later years you've kind of adopted and said you know what actually that's be, that's going to be really useful for me very much my later years i mean uh, you know, when I grew up, I 
uh, as you know, I was told, oh, Thomas, you're, you're, you're really good with your hands, but you know what? Your brother's the intelligent one. <laughs> so, so that wasn't very nice to hear. And I thought, you know, I had a fixed mindset in those days. I thought, oh, uh, I'm thick. I'll, I'll always be that way. And, um, and, and it wasn't until much later in life. I thought, oh, you, you know, that's, that, that's just crazy, ridiculous. And yeah. we, learn and develop uh, as we go through life and hopefully that's that's what I've done brilliant that's that's what I love doing I, I love I have a passion for learning and developing and then passing on my insights and so on to other people yeah and you're a very good musician now aren't you I wouldn't say a very good musician Ollie I'd say I'm a competent bassist Right, because you enjoy it and you get out. I love it. Before COVID, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Well, believe it or not, we we, our last uh, gig was last August Ah. at the Limington Seafood Festival. It was one of the few few festivals that uh, still carried on despite COVID. Right, but 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 it's it's a passion that you've continued to to practice. Yeah, absolutely. I, I I just so remember when I was, you know. Again, when I was 13 and wanted to be a rock yeah. star, I used to, with my brothers and sisters, I was the oldest, I said, we had a band, we all played air instruments, so I played <laughs> the air guitar, <laughs> you know, and I always wanted to do that. So, uh, yeah, I'm very passionate about that's it. That's fantastic. I love, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep your passions, that's the key, isn't it, right? Follow it your totally dream. is, totally is, totally yeah. is. And, and also not, the other, the other track not to fall into is think, oh, I'm only average at this. Um, and yeah. that's not really the point. It's, you know, enjoying it, developing um, if you want to, and and so on. Well, there's a joy in getting better at things, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Um, you know, when you, can, when you can look back and reflect and say, you know, six months ago, I was, I was crap at that. But now, do you know what? I'm all right. And then another six months go by and you go, actually, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. And you get some really good feedback. It, it, it's kind of like a really meaningful part of life, isn't it? Just It, it, it is. And yeah. And, you, you know, there's a lot of uh, uh, that, that says don't compare yourself with other people. Yeah. We're all prone to do. Oh, I'm not as good as him or her or mm. whatever. But compare yourself with how you were six months ago as you say three months ago and notice your improvement and that that's really what it's all about yeah i can't remember who said it but the only person i'm competing with is myself it's about my future self you know who do i want to be in the future yeah and then you work towards that consistently and i think that's a good lesson for everyone and i think comparison can be dangerous but i think modeling as you know modeling and, and looking at people who are really good at certain things and thinking about the process they go through of becoming great can can teach you a lot actually i think if you embrace that concept not comparison but development yeah 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 no i totally agree ollie totally yeah. agree yeah. and so and so you've got a passion you've got your own business that's another passion of yours isn't it yes it is yes it is tell us about it what do you do well, well i know what you do but tell everyone you know what you do what I do well we our business is all about um corporate development helping people uh get better in the workplace whether they're teams individuals and I think the thing that sets us apart is our neuroscience approach which is all about understanding how the brain works how it can work against us understanding that what we need to do what we shouldn't do yeah uh, and, and the traps that we can fall into sure 
the sort of thinking traps that we can fall into. So, so all our work is around explaining that to people um, and explaining how they can develop. And um, a lot of the things that go wrong, the lack of resilience or stress, uh, if we look at why that happens from a brain perspective, often there's some really nice tools, simple answers we can use to help with that. Brilliant. Now, am I right in thinking that you're self-taught as well, a bit like myself? Yeah, well, funnily enough, Ollie, my um, first career was information systems. I was, was a it? data architect. Data oh. was my thing. And uh, and uh, I what, what I found was that uh, most of my work was explaining ideas and concepts mm -hmm. about data and organization to, I was the bridge, if you like, between the user community and the IT community. And um, that's where my interest in people uh, developed. Mm. Right. Okay. And so from that, you've sort of spun off and thought about, I guess, you know, what makes people tick? How can you optimize people's performance and all that sort of, that sort of toolkit? And I guess it's grown from there, has it? Yeah, exactly. That, that's, that's exactly right. You're a very exactly. curious chap, aren't you? I know that of you. You're very curious about how things work. Mm, I like well, that. You know, you know, I, I've always been interested in science. And I was one of those those guys that uh, in the UK, you for A-levels, you either have to do arts or <laughs> science. Yeah. And that never, I, I, I love both. Yes. Um, and, and, I, and I think that's why I love neuroscience, because it is that sweet spot between... Totally. Um, people and science yeah and, and logic and creativity and absolutely absolutely yeah. and so so within your business i know you have also a, a sort of really strong element passion i guess for sales and negotiation so you've got a program called black belt negotiation is that right black belt negotiation absolutely brilliant yeah. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that specifically because i find it fascinating because i've been to some of your seminars and it's great, you know, you're really engaging and it's really interesting. But just for the audience, you know, when we talk about black belt negotiation, because I love the metaphor, tell us more about it. What does it mean and what does it stand for? And what's Well, it? to give you a bit of a history, how it yeah. came about, about 20 years ago, um, a, a letter landed on my doorstep saying, oh, your wife wants you uh, a divorce. Could you move out of your house and uh, leave her in peace there with two children? <laughs> Uh, I had no idea that was coming. Really? And, um, and it was pretty acrimonious, as you can imagine. Um, and I thought, well, what do I need to do here? Uh, they're, they're lawyers, uh, they're <clears throat> counsellors. Yeah. Yes, that's all good. But no one actually taught you how to negotiate. Totally. You know, we had a house, we had two kids. Um, and the last thing I wanted to be was a, a McDonald's dad where I saw my kids every uh, fortnight um, to take a, a McDonald's dad. <laughs> a that McDonald's, well, that's I don't know if that's, <laughs> no, that's my that's my oh, impression. Yeah. Like that. Um, uh, and so so I really had to negotiate very, very hard to uh, end up with an equitable uh, solution where me and my ex-wife had them each three and a half days a week basically sure. and uh, it's really been a um, 20 years later I can say it's been the most amazing outcome because I'm so close to them oh. um, and and I get on really well with my ex-wife as well so it really Fantastic. really has turned out win-win and that is what black belt negotiation is all about you know 
win-win. Sounds a bit of a cliche, um, but um, that's it, it's all, so often people think uh, you, you, you're either um, tough, and if you're too tough, you spoil the relationship with your yeah. negotiating partner, yeah. or you have to concede, and then you build a better relationship. So what I convey in the Black Belt Negotiator Programme is actually, no, that isn't the case. If you negotiate well, not only do you get what you want, but you also build better business relationships. Ah, yeah, so it's a kind of win, win, win. So you win, they win, and the relationship wins. Absolutely, 100%, yeah. And it's interesting you use the, the Black Belt analogy because I guess in martial arts, people think it's about fighting, but actually it's the opposite. It's about keeping safe and secure. Yeah, and, and having the knowledge and the skills and the expertise and the mindfulness to not hurt people at all. Actually, it's yeah, just, when you need it, you can use it. And the, the, the best thing actually about that is no know, people knowing that you can use it, and you, when you don't, everyone's yeah, all right. Absolutely, and and it you know it is a catchy title. <laughs> yeah, but you're absolutely right. There, you know, negotiation is absolutely not about force. Yes, you know, if you have to use force, you've lost already. It's really about understanding the other person, empathizing. Um, uh, and in, in, in fact, there's a great uh, story, Chris Voss, the ex-FBI uh, hostage negotiator, before he took over, generally, generally when there was a hostage situation, the hostages used to get shot up. Yeah. Uh, what he learned very quickly is you have to create empathy with the hostage takers. Now, that doesn't mean agreeing with them, but it means not invalidating their viewpoints. And as soon as he started doing that, the hostages started getting out alive. And it's exactly the same in negotiate in commercial negotiation. You have to, as soon as you start invalidating the other party or make or uh, you're right, they're wrong, etc. That that's it, you know. And and end of game. Do you know what, Tom? You see that so often, though, don't you? You do, Ronnie. You I mean, do. not just in sales and negotiation, but in lead politics. <laughs> you know, the black, well, white, yeah. M and us. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and that's why conversations break down because yeah, you, know, you start arguing when you can't communicate. Yeah, absolutely. And even the word negotiation, Ollie, mm. you know, it's it's it sounds adversarial, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Before you even start. And if, well, we're going to have to negotiate over that and it puts everyone on the defensive. That's so true. Uh, yeah. What we yeah. call a threat response. Yes. Um, uh, if and, and a threat response negatively uh, impacts how our brain works it puts us in defend modes yeah triggers the sympathetic nervous system we're self-focused and the opposite of actually what we want at the negotiating table so why do you think people fall into that trap when they're trying to negotiate should we say where they they don't listen to the other person and understand what where they're coming from why do people default to not doing that it seems so obvious doesn't it it's not. yeah yeah i mean that that's a really interesting um question ollie and and i think it is about self-preservation when you know when we evolved uh you know we were the, the idea was to keep ourselves safe um yeah. safe from predators and that that's the primary motivation of the brain looking out for looking out for threat and so i think it, that's why it's so easy to trigger a threat response because it is the default we're looking out for it. even if one isn't there it's much 
more easily triggered than the other type of response that we call a reward response. Yeah, and I suppose if you're a salesperson, let's say, and you have targets, you're instantly under threat from your your bosses, aren't you, to hit those yeah. targets? Yeah. But straight That's away, true. every conversation you have, I guess yeah. you're, you're feeling well, what, that. What are your numbers? What yeah. are your numbers? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, have yeah. targets. So, yeah. so that targets conversation. Blessing. Yeah. So that conversation that you enter into in the back of your mind you're going i need this because i need to hit my target and my numbers yeah, right yeah and so straight away the other person that you're negotiating with will get a sense of that pressure and threat absolutely and uh, the uh, the uh, defense mechanisms go up and mm. um and you're less like you know they they sense your attachment to the outcome yes like, and you're less likely to get that outcome yeah okay so that's interesting so so when we talk about black belt negotiations a program if someone was to go on to the program, what sort of things would they experience that would prove really interesting and, and useful for, for individuals in that sort of role? Well, um, a whole host of things, Ollie. And I, I, I suppose one of the things that I, I say, talk about is confidence. Okay. Because um, if I'm negotiating with you or having a conversation with you, I could say, say exactly the same thing, either with confidence or without confidence sure. i could negotiate with you say the same things first time round with confidence second time round without confidence and it would come across completely differently and i'd get a completely different the other party is very you know as humans our brains are finely attuned to pick up on you know micro signals body language because we've only had language proper language of forty thousand years and yes. our brain has been evolving for millions of years and we've learned to pick up signals um so we do all that naturally so i'm i'm really adept we're, we're all really adept at picking up those signals from the other party and if they sense a lack of confidence they will go in and push push for more yeah so it's really what can we do to create confidence in you and that a lot of the training and i guess that's possibly similar to martial arts is about creating confidence yeah that that aura that people talk about that's an intangible thing isn't it you know when you meet people and they have yeah. something about them that you go oh i like them or oh they're yeah. self-assured you know yeah it's, it's that magic ingredient that you can't articulate that just happens yeah. to you resonates and, doesn't it and, and that that's a really interesting thing you just said ollie because it is an aura it seems intangible but actually what we do is we break it down and look at what are the elements that make up confidence how do you what are the what are the things you can do to increase your confidence could, could you give us just one tip around yeah I, well i could give you a few tips yeah, but for it. you know what number one is preparation we teach people often go in underprepared because they don't know how to prepare they don't know what yeah. to prepare and let's face it it's boring so yeah. we make preparation exciting we tell them exactly what they need to prepare how they should prepare who with um so that when you're at the negotiation you feel really relaxed you've done all your homework and you feel confident yeah and so whatever is thrown at you you, you you've got that confidence and if you're underprepared uh, your brain goes into panic mode they say something oh my god i didn't prepare for that your brain goes into panic mode and not anything when you start panicking you, you, that's it you're lost 
Yeah, is that the is that that sort of need that we have, the instinctive need for certainty? So when you're planning and preparing, you're creating a more certain experience that you're familiar with, even though you've imagined it and planned it. You get you kind of you kind of get you're more likely to get what you want because you've done that. But if you don't, it's the unknown, and that's all. Exactly, exactly. The brain hates uncertainty. And if you if you think, oh, I don't know what's going to happen at this negotiation, you're already you've created a threat response for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. The more you can go. I mean, there'll always be some element of unexpectedness, but the more prepared you are, um, the more uh you can calm down. And, yeah. and Uh, element is we have a structure so there is a very distinct five-step funnel that we've created in black belt negotiator and so we tell people exactly what they need to do at each stage in the funnel what they shouldn't do um, and, and one of the key mistakes people make is start talking numbers so they go in and start talking numbers and before they've even built a relationship or, so right. you, you know, so it's not right till you're towards the back end of the negotiations, should you start uh, talking numbers and specifics. The, the Why do first people do that, bit, you know, it, It's just, A, they don't know how, no one's taught them. Mm. Uh, and B, I think it's nerves, you know, oh, I've got to say it. Oh, that's too high. We're not going to pay that. Or no, that's our bottom line. And those are the sort of things that alienate or, or that's just that's just out of a ballpark. That yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's just sort of nerves. We think we know we've got to say it. So we go in and say it yeah. in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it alienates the other party Yeah. because we're making a proposal was before we even know what the territory is, how the land lies. So one of the things we say, you know, you need to spend the, one of the early stages is the discussion phase mm. where you understand what's important to them. Um, they reciprocate and you, you, it's a learning, it's listening and asking questions. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, that's good because um, I don't think people buy on price. I know it's very important, but they buy on value, which is a different thing. Absolutely. Right? So if yeah. it's worthwhile, most people will pay what it's worth, right? So if you just start delivering a price without giving someone some sort of experience or understanding as to what they would get and the outcomes that would, that would generate, how are they ever going to say yes to you? That, 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 that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and and you're, you're dead right. People don't buy on price. We always think, oh, I'm too expensive. I'll make yeah. a concession and then I'll get the deal. That's one of the key mistakes, just making early concessions and thinking that will help me sell. Mm. But it never does because you need to understand, as you absolutely correctly say, what's, what is value for the other person? Mm. And we don't know that until we've asked the questions. Absolutely. What's value to you, Ollie? Yeah. I've got to ask. And so a lot of negotiation is all about trying to understand that. What's important to you? What are your hot buttons? Uh, what are your pain points? That's how it. can I solve? How can I take away your pain? Yeah. If I can take away your pain with what I'm offering, you're, and I've taken time to understand, work at that out, uh, with you you're going to want what I've got to yeah. take that pain away and we often talk about pleasure and pain uh, pleasure and pain motivation don't we yeah and actually yeah. 
we are more inclined to solve a problem and remove a pain than we are to improve something. That's my understanding of it. Yes, uh, that's a really interesting one. And um, when, in, in, when, when we're looking at sales, we, we've got to look at the pain first. What is their pain? Uh, and make sure they understand what their pain is, because very often the customer, we all live with pain, don't we? We all live yeah. with inconveniences like squeaky doors or leaky <laughs> dishwashers. Yeah. But, you know, we haven't got the energy to fix all those minor pains. Yeah. So the ex inexperienced salesperson will come in and say, oh, I'll, I, we've got just the thing to fix that door and fix the dishwasher. And the customer's not interested because it's yeah. not a big pain. No. We've got to find, you know, what is your big pain? That's right. What is your big pain? Right. Uh, don't just jump in at the first sniff of a problem. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we say to the um, customer, well, look, if if we could fix that, what? how would that benefit you? Yeah. What would that mean to you? Yeah. What would that mean to you? What, 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 would, that, what would that bring to you? Yeah. Um, uh, and, and the key here is let the customer articulate it for themselves. Don't tell them to the key thing. A lot of salespeople do is jump in and saying, oh, we've got this. It will do X, Y, Z. And the customer instantly switches off. So, so why is it important to let the customer articulate to you what that would bring to the table, you fixing the problem? Um, because if you tell them it doesn't make a big impact in their brain. It'll stay in their short-term memory mm -hmm. and say, oh, that's interesting. Thanks. It'll stay in their short-term memory if you tell them. And then 30 minutes later, it'll disappear. The next salesperson comes through the door. It will, what they have to offer will yeah. be in their short-term mm -hmm. memory. So what, by getting the customer to articulate Oh yes, this is this is my pain, and this this would be the value if it could be solved by getting them to do the thinking. It pushes uh, it from their short term memory into their long term memory. Got you. And it okay. creates an emotion. It, you see, it creates an emotional memory because they're sort of fact memories and emotional memories. And by work, them working out, oh my god, yeah, I hadn't realised actually that really. I'm losing a lot of customers because of my uh, poor CRM, let's say, if you're selling a CRM system. Yeah. And, and, then, and I guess because it's coming from their own thinking and they're generating it themselves, there's that different level of ownership. So you're not giving them something, i.e. telling them something, and they choose to pick it. They're actually picking it themselves. So it has to be true, right? So it has to have more relevance. It, Exactly, Ollie. And they're essentially, they're solving their own problem. Mm, that's right. Yeah. And, and you're asking the questions, they're articulating, oh, yes, you're right, blah, 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 blah. They solve their own problem. And when we solve a problem, we get a dopamine hit, which tr triggers our pleasure uh, senses. Mm. So solving a problem is pleasurable. And so a customer solving their own pleasure, uh, their own problem. Gives them pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Then they, ah, and they associate that pleasure with you. Yeah, so you're making that unconscious connection between exactly. the experience and the feeling. 
Yeah, exactly so. Whereas um, so often, 90% of salespeople will solve the problem for the customer. So if you buy my product, it will solve your problem because of X, Y, Z. And the salesperson's really pleased. They get the dopamine hit because they've solved the problem, but the customer doesn't. Let me tell you, Tom, one of my bugbears, and you may agree or disagree with this, but you know LinkedIn? I I like to use LinkedIn because... I've spent a lot of time fun, trying to figure out the best way to use it. So I do yeah. what I've been told to do and it works, you know? Yeah. But I get probably, I would say five people a day sending me these images, <laughs> flogging what they do. I'm this, I'm that, we're fully qualified. We get the results of this. And you have to read this, but I mean, it's- I know, like I know. And I know. Straight, the first thing I do is delete. Exactly, Ollie, exactly, yeah. <laughs> And yeah. people still think that's the best yeah. way to do business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bizarre, isn't it? I know, I know. I, I couldn't agree more. And but I, I'm going to have to pick your brains about LinkedIn. I'm still not using it as well as I should. But that's I'm another. Very comment. happy to help you. And I've got a good friend I can introduce you to. Actually, oh, I want to do a podcast with. He'll tell us all about. Ah, it. fantastic! Yeah, and yeah. It, it, just to give you an example of how you know neuroscience and evolution yes, please. helps us understand this the reason we love solving problems is because it helps it's a survival imperative if we could solve the problem how do i find food and shelter in a harsh winter Mm. we're rewarded for that by the dopamine hit so it's critical for our survival and a lot of our uh, primary motivations originated from our hunter-gatherer days and were survival imperatives and, I and guess, we're still carrying them around today. Yeah, yeah. And I guess if you're in a community as well, if you are resourceful, right, then you have value, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's that yeah, sense yeah. of power that you have and that's you know, positive power, not, you know, not the negative power. But yeah. I, guess, I guess if you're good at things and you get results, you feel more confident, don't you? And when you yeah. feel more confident, not arrogant, but when you feel more confident and self-assured, that has to be a good thing, not just for you, but for the people that you're involved with and the people you're pitching to and the people you're working with, because they believe in you. And when people believe in you, that's a nice feeling, right? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And of yeah. course, it makes sales easier because if, if the person you're selling to believes in, in you, not just what you're selling, that's surely an additional... Well, that, that's exactly right. And there's been a lot of research on, you know, people are buying you and your values and mm. what you stand for. Yeah. Not your product. Interesting. You, you, okay. you just think of Apple. Yeah, that's right. They, they have some people, you have Apple fanatics because of what Apple stands for, its sort of brand values and so on. Yeah. Well, I'm a Tesla fanatic. I've got a Tesla, I just swear, but I think it's brilliant. Oh, I'm jealous, Ollie. Yeah, but I'm it's jealous. just, it's not, it's not a car. It's, it's an experience. Wow, wow. And I bought the experience not going from yeah. A to B because you can get most cars take you to A to B, don't they? So yeah, yeah, why would yeah. you buy that? Yeah, it's just yeah. it's a phenomenal piece of engineering and I just love it. I just love sitting in it and going, wow, because they update the software all the time and it's something new every week. Like that's <laughs> that's that's so interesting. Yeah. How have yeah. they thought about that? And I love yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so so it's things like so you're talking about being confident, then you're also talking about actually creating those 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 stimulating conversations that you're interested in the customer and their needs, and yeah, fixing yeah. a pain. What else? What else? Uh, I mean, one of the things is uh, making sure you add value. Uh, 
at each step. So you're, uh, and again, the, the conversations I love with customers is when they say, oh, that was so inspiring, thank you. You know, they didn't even think I was trying to sell something. Um, and I think having their mindset, I'm, you know, my job is to help customers. Mm. And certainly my passion is inspiring people. And if I can inspire customers, they're much more likely to want to do business with me. Yeah, that's really, that's interesting because, so what you've done is you've turned the, you know, people love a sales process, don't they? They love models that you have to follow. Yeah, yeah. But without the neuroscience, without the emotional intelligence, without the insights that you're talking about, it's dry, isn't it? And people know when they're being processed. But what you're yeah. talking about here is having a conversation with somebody else that is stimulating and fascinating and valuable rather than just trying to flog something that somebody might not understand that they need. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and I, I learned really early on in my career, um, I had no, I, I sort of thrown into sales and, right. uh, uh, and well, I said, come to this sales meeting. And I thought I had, to, I, you know, I was really young in my career then. I thought, oh my God, I have to be super intelligent and knowledgeable and make sophisticated mm. talk and so on. Mm. Um, and I was completely on edge. And it wasn't until I um, understood that, you know, the huge part of selling is about asking questions. Gen Another key thing I love is generous listening. Yeah. Oh, tell and us more. I, I love a Stephen Covey quote, which is, listen with the intent to understand not with the intent to reply yes that's yeah. awesome because you know in a negotiation situation all the time we're looking at how can we pick our holes in their argument yeah well, we're listening to pick holes not not all the time and again look i'm talking about tough negotiations yeah, yeah. so I, I make this distinction if you if you get on if you have someone if you've got good rapport with someone you negotiate regularly with and it's smooth you don't need uh, most of these techniques, but when you've got, uh, you know, professional negotiators, you've got a tough person at the other side of the table. That's when you really need these these um, techniques and, and and this knowledge. Yeah, and I, th I think that's a fascinating point as well because um, we do go in with you know all guns blazing, full intention, don't we? Intent, strong intent to yeah. sell, yeah. to sell what we're offering, and they should listen to us, shouldn't they? Because it's a really good product or service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but actually, that's the opposite of what you should be doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you, you know, it's really interesting because when I say at the beginning of our programs, I say to, to, to delegates, you know, what goes wrong in negotiation? And some, some of the things is the customer doesn't listen or the, the customer <laughs> doesn't understand or they keep changing their mind or, or whatever. And it's I say how can we reframe that so that you take responsibility mm. yeah they say ah oh, maybe I don't listen yeah maybe I don't ask the right questions to understand and, and do you find um, that people are, are kind of the threat response kicks in when people disagree you know people call them objections and I hate that yeah oh yeah yeah because I don't really believe that people object I just think people don't fully understand right yeah it's trying to fill the gaps that that you yeah an objection and i mean there's a common a common myth which is oh an objection is a positive thing you know it means they <laughs> yeah. are interested which is absolutely <laughs> an objection means 
you haven't created value. They don't see the value. So, you, you know, it's part of your communication hasn't worked. Yeah, yeah. And what I find fascinating is a technique that I learned through uh, neurolinguistics, neurolinguistic programming, NLP, is the agreement frame. So when people disagree with you, agree with their disagreement, uh, absolutely yeah yeah i i haven't called it heard it called the agreement frame but that but that, that's absolute acknowledge yeah so when people disagree the worst thing you could do is disagree with them disagreeing absolutely so you know for example with us you know someone might, i might ask them you know so what's you know how much training have you done in the past oh we've used loads of trainers but they've got no result it's been a total waste of money and instead of going really well i, I don't agree with that i would say do you know what I totally agree with you, which is why I'm on the phone to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to be that person that's going to train your organization and waste your money. What's, yeah, yeah. What's the most important thing for you when it comes to developing your teams? What's the biggest experience you could gain? You know, and it's those sorts of conversations. And suddenly they go, oh, really? Because they're expecting that kind of pushback. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, no, the worst thing you could do within, let's call it an objection, yeah. is, is disagree with that. Yeah. and you're, you're you're right you need to i i would say empathize with it mm. empathize which means you totally get them but mm. you're not necessarily agreeing you're acknowledging and totally empathizing with their uh, their point of view and actually the empathy part comes when you start asking those curious questions to get under the skin of their opinions exactly exactly yeah because we all have bias don't we you know we yeah uh, absolutely we all have bias on it we can't help it <laughs> we can't help it and that's yeah. when arguments occur because we're not prepared to change how we think yeah, about things yeah, listen yeah, 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 appreciate yeah. it so what other yeah. nuggets have you got in terms of black belt negotiation that you might want to what share? other nuggets have i got okay well i i would say that um let's say we're we're in the um sales area yeah i would i i would say um or, or any negotiation in fact one of the key things i would say is is tradables and those are the elements mm. are the elements that of your product or offering that you can trade so payment terms quantity guarantees oh. um remedies etc etc so think about and some of them are intangibles like uh you know could we have a referral from you oh i see could we use you as a reference site mm. and when we work with companies we get together we get i i use mind mapping as a technique to look at look at what what are all your tradables mm. um and we get believe it or not up to 200 tradables you know key wow. staff to work on here um whatever it is and um it, it's it's using those tradables as a framework uh, for your negotiation and asking questions so you can understand what's important to them can you give me an example just to help out well okay uh, let me give you a, a really simple example say say payment terms yeah you know one the other party might be cash rich and so you say well you pay up front and then we could give you a bit of a discount gotcha yeah uh, because payment upfront payment might be really critical for you mm -hmm. yeah so it, it's 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 this and what one of the things we say is never concede only trade yes yeah because so so often when people and i'd say so that's one of the most uh one of the key takeaways from our program people say wow that's really altered our negotiating structure 
yeah. we used to, uh, we worked with a large engineering company, for example, and they told me that, you know, we used to have pre-meetings and say, how much are we allow ourselves to be pushed down on price? And now, which is a very negative way of looking at it, but now they say, you know, what are we going to ask for in return? Gotcha. Or what are our tradables? I love that. You know, yeah. Exclusivity deal, longer contract, future business, better payment terms. See, I, I do these sorts of things, but I just I haven't put a label on it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, there's so if you think about it, there's so many tradables mm. and, uh, OK, you might not be able to get 10 percent better here. But if you can get, you know, extra one percent on a dozen tradables. Yeah. The improvement, that's a massive margin. Absolutely. And of course, it's the win, 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 isn't it? Absolutely. You win, they yeah, win. Absolutely. The relationship and the outcomes are achieved. Yeah. yeah, yeah like yeah. it. Like yeah. it. OK, so. Here, I've got a question for you that I oh, think I, I think I may know the answer to, but I just want to get I just want to get your brain working on this and see what you think. But why do you feel, or why do you think that there are there are not that many great salespeople? What's the biggest flaw that people go through? Biggest uh, problem? I I think it's not listening, not asking questions. It's going in and pitching. Yes. Um. I I, I think that, and you see, there's a bit of our brain called the dorsolateral prefrontal cortex yeah. and that is the inhibitor mm -hmm. that stops us doing things so like if you want a second cake it's the <laughs> dorsolateral prefrontal <laughs> cortex it says no no, no i've had enough no, yeah. that's enough even though another bit of your brain was like come on just one more cake and i think um that the biggest uh training salespeople could give themselves is use their inhibition circuitry more stop stop put the brakes on mm. and and you know i i know how difficult it is because i want to do it myself yeah. i'm talking to a customer or, you know on, on zoom these days and they say oh we need xyz and i'm about to say we can help you here we've got you know we we that's what we do yeah. and i'm so excited there's a fit and I, and, I, and you know, even with all my training and experience, I still want to say it. So I have to shut my mouth and say, oh, that's interesting. So uh, what, what's that causing? What issues is that causing? And that's they say, right. oh, well, that means, you know, uh, well, the salespeople go in and sell too cheap. Um, uh, our margins are cut. I say, oh, that's interesting. Um, what's the result on, uh, of that? And oh, there's conflict between sales and operations, and 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 it's probing like that, mm. um, asking the questions, and then we go on say, well, and if if you could fix that, how what would what would the result be? Oh, we'd have much better. Uh, we'd be operating at better margins. There'd be more better morale because we'd yep. know we're making a better profit. People would be happier, uh, etc. Then it. It's ask just asking those questions. To, so by the time they're they're really excited, oh, if, if we could solve that, wow, there'd be all these benefits that they hadn't even realized. Yeah. Because the salesman can sort of see, but the customer often doesn't realize it themselves. So it's going back to getting them to articulating. Yeah. And then of course you minimize objections because they're talking you through what their experience is and you're drilling right down 
to the the, the abs absolute nitty gritty, aren't you? And then I suppose you can just say, well, you know, imagine if we could fix that for you, what would that mean in terms of X, Y, and Z? You've got it. Absolutely. And so, you know, another another big myth, Ollie, is you should always be closing. Oh yeah. Which is nonsense. And I, I remember reading a, uh, in my early days, reading a, a salesman and it said, closing begins with good morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was quite hilarious because, if you've done your job well as a salesperson, it should close itself. Totally. The desire yeah, if, they, if, they've, if they've worked out, wow, this is this is the value yeah. that these guys can bring. You you know your your job, your effort goes up front, not in closing. And a lot of research has shown if uh, buyers think you're using a closing tactic. And let's face it, there are all sorts of <laughs> closing tactics you can yeah. look up. Yeah. If they think you're using one, that will really scupper the likelihood of uh, getting a sale. Absolutely. And do you know what's interesting linking to that? One of the things that I think people fail at when selling is they do all the hard work up front badly, as you mentioned sometimes, and then don't follow up. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's don't follow up. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they talk about pipelines. I've spoken to so-and-so and I've spoken to, yeah, and all yeah, the activity, yeah. but then the, the meaningful bit is what you do after you've had that conversation. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. And of course, they're always chasing the customer because they've not sold properly, whereas actually the customer should be coming to you because it's a no-brainer. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. And, and, and uh, you know, a little, uh, uh, just a little tip in terms of chasing the customer there. If you've if you've done a good job selling and, and getting their interest and they can understand the value, they're really excited, they're motivated, they want to do something. So tap into that motivation right now. Mm. And so, for instance, just before this podcast with you, I had a sales call with a company and I got got them really excited in what we were offering. Mm. And uh, and I said, um, you know, let's, I'll, I'll send you some information. I'll send you a proposal. Shall we catch up next week to discuss it? And she said, yeah, yeah. Send me an invite for the same time next week. That'll exactly. give me a week to read it. Exactly. If I hadn't, so that you could say that's closing. Yeah. It, it's, closing doesn't mean the actual um, sign, sign off, but, you know, complex business sales need several meetings yeah. and each meeting you need some sort of closure and advance to the, the the next stage and if you don't get that it, it can just go on and on and on i totally agree with that it's but that goes back to confidence point one doesn't it it's having the confidence to be able to do that but that's only generated from you doing the process well exactly right and talking less than the customer obviously because the, the customer's doing actually all the work really uh, absolutely 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 and I'll, and and there you're adding value by asking mm. the right questions because they're understanding their needs and so on better yeah you're helping them clarify really what they want love that okay yeah. so just to, to finalize what would be the one big final bit of advice you might give people that they can take away and run with Oh, that's a, that's the $64,000 question. On it, it is. It is. And I would say, now this might sound a bit odd, but I would say chill out and enjoy the process, whether you're negotiating, whether you're selling, chill out and enjoy it. Because if you enjoy the process, 
then you're going to perform a lot, lot better. If you're up tight and you don't really want to make the call or or whatever, or nervous, Mm. you're not going to perform as well. I totally Um, understand that. um, And and how do you enjoy it? You know, you might, your your listeners might be thinking, well, that's a bit naive. How can I enjoy it, et cetera? Um, Be less attached to the outcome. (laughs) Yeah, be committed. There's a difference to being committed and being attached so mm-hmm. do the best you can and have a growth mindset about it i'd say finally yeah so always always be learning yeah what what did i learn okay that didn't go how i wanted what can i learn from that brilliant rather than oh you know stupid customer oh <laughs> didn't know what they wanted absolutely too, too often people blame the customer yeah that's right Actually, I just want to pick up on something. You said the difference between commitment and attachment. What is the difference? Well, commitment is I'm, I'm really I'm really committed mm. to helping this customer in the best way I know possible. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm committed to the process, if you like. Yeah. But I'm not attached to the outcome. Yeah. I'm not because. attached. To, they'll sign. Oh, yeah, we must sign this contract because yeah. they're going to sniff that out. If you're really attached and, you know, they, they, so go, it's like, it's like going in with a, an agenda, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't go in with an agenda because it's, it's not very nice for the, the other party. That's right. And I guess you're like me, if you, if you're passionate and you enjoy what you do, and I love what I do. And so I don't ever sell. I just, I just enjoy the experience of teaching people what it is I can provide for them. And you know what? Some people want it and some people don't. Some people understand it, some people don't. But the, ma- the vast majority will at least invest some time in listening to me. And I, I've, you know, I've met people and I've sold two or three years down the line, not necessarily immediately, because I invest in the relationship. Yeah, 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 yeah. A- absolutely right, Ollie. Yeah. So important. The yeah, short-termism yeah. in sales is, is that's why some organizations that always give people targets weak targets and mm-hmm. i get it i do get it but you know what sometimes there are some people who take a bit of time to close a big piece of business and that's their skill and there are some people who just win small piece of business regularly either mm. way they're both valuable aren't they absolutely absolutely and, and i totally uh, totally agree you know some you know we also recently won a bit of work that was three years in the pipeline yeah that's right and and sometimes that that's how it is and if you you know if you continually nurture the relationship um at some time at some some point in time that will that will pay off yeah as david soul once said don't give up on me baby back to your rock and roll roots there tom Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so how can we find you, Tom? How can people on this listen to this podcast? Well, um, they can check me out on LinkedIn. Yep. And um, I'll provide a LinkedIn address or my email. Mm-hmm. Yep. Contact me directly or visit our website. Which and is? Will, our website is team-working.com. Brilliant. Fantastic. And I love your LinkedIn videos. You do these really punchy insightful i don't know how you do it in the time actually but you do some really cool stuff that you can just watch and go 
oh yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i like that yeah i'll think about that and it resonates so it's really good oh well thank you ollie i i, yeah. I love that I, I i posted one today actually yeah so, yeah. yeah i'll have a little look after this yeah have a check check that out share yeah. share it yeah brilliant Thanks, Tom, thank you so much really appreciate that and uh, i'm sure as we as we always do we'll speak on a regular basis and i'll see you soon that'd be lovely cheers buddy cheers ollie thank you uh, very much cheers <laughs>